It's too damn hot for a penguin to be just walking around. Three, two, one, eagle! Are these two doctors? I'm afraid so. Edward. Good morning. Thoughts on bringing back the old intro? It's been I didn't know that actually. was the old intro. I was about to comment on how the production value skyrocketed. Yeah, that was our old intro, but uh, I'm thinking of bringing it back. I missed the start of it though, so... I like it. Yeah. <laughs> comment? Talk to me. A little bit too long. Uh, yeah, which is why I cut the start of it out yeah. before we actually started, you know, starting. Yeah, okay. So cool. we've started now. Yeah, right. How are you? Good, mate. How are you? I'm doing very well. It's, Thank you um, for having me. Hey, it's bloody good to have you on uh, to... The people that don't know Ed, he's been a little, around a little while. He's been on the podcast before, which is one of the reasons why I wanted to get him back on and, and hear his growth and, and uh, progress over the last couple of years. But in a nutshell, who Ed? Who Ed? <laughs> who Ed? <laughs> Ed <laughs> I was person. trying to think of something funny. Uh, who is Ed Weischer? Um, I am a filmmaker slash photographer based out of the Morning Peninsula. Um, primarily work with small businesses at the moment and do a little bit of documentary work. Beautiful. But it hasn't always been that way. No. Where was where was Ed last time we were on the podcast? Do you remember? I was still at the in the glory days of Cadbury. <laughs> and I'm yeah, really door upset. Door-to-door salesman. <laughs> door-to-door salesman just knocking on. Do you want some twirls? Pretty much. And when no one wanted twirls, I got the twirls. So it was... Did it you get a, the twirls? I can't remember. You gave me a couple of boxes of twirls. Yeah, okay, that's right. And then you left. So it was a real like... That's right. I can't remember God. if you're salty because I didn't get the twirls. I reckon you, you catfished me into your friendship <laughs> by giving me a box of twirls and going, hey, this could be a regular thing. And then Life going, hacks, everyone. If someone doesn't like you, twirls. love bomb them. Twirls. A little bit toxic, but it works. It worked. Yeah. And hey, you're still hanging around. So, I mean, th- and the reason I got you on because I've seen your growth and seen your business growth and your capacity to actually make good content. Not that you weren't good before, but it has skyrocketed over the last few years. So I want to talk about that. I want to talk about that process. So when you left Cabri, what was the, what was the main reason you decided to give up a assume well-paying, stable corporate job to shift into being a, not well paid, uh, <laughs> unstable small business owner. Um, well, truth truth be told, I hated the job. Um, it was very much a progression of this is what you should do. Yeah, and I'm sure a lot of people have had this experience. Um, you know, go get the safe job, go through uni, get the safe job. You know, and then just work away. And that very sort of old school mentality of just get the good job. Chip away, do your 40, 50 hours a week, and then, you know, hopefully you'll wind up with a nice house by the Buy time you're Buy a boat 65. when you're 45 and... Hate it and then realise you've wasted the last 20 years of your life. And, yep. um, yeah, and then I was fortunate enough to fall into photography and just thought, like, I really love doing this. And it was very much just a hobby at the start, like something I'd do on the weekends. And then one person just offered to pay me to do it. And I was like... I, had, I literally had zero idea because this was before Instagram was really a big thing and social media marketing was very like early on. So people weren't really paying for content that I knew of and I wasn't in yep. social media that much. So I didn't know businesses would pay for people photos. People were just snapping photos and growing yeah. organically that like way. Like I knew there was photographers, but I thought I still had the old school mentality of like, you know, that's your Vogue cover shoot things. And like, you know, it's a, I thought it was a very select few people that were actually making money with photography. Yeah. The sort of money that you could live off anyway. 
So someone asked me to take some photos for them and they paid me I remember that I remember exactly how much it was four hundred dollars and at the time I was making six hundred and fifty bucks a week at Cabri. So I was like, Holy shit, I just made, you know, two thirds of my weekly wage from Doing one, something a one hour photo shoot. Yeah, wow. Like they pay me very well. Like I look at the photos now, it's fucking dreadful. I wouldn't pay for them. But <laughs> so I was it was like just this light bulb moment is like I can Growth, do baby. what I want to do and do something I love. Um, and get paid for it. From that point well. in time to when you did pull the pin, how how long was it, and what was the process you went through? It was about a year. Yeah, and it was honestly just a shitload of work. Like as much as cheesy as that sounds, it was. I, I was living with my brother at the time, and he can testify to this. I would do my cabri work, and honestly, like as soon as I did my like seven hours, I figured it out. It was seven hours and forty minutes a day <laughs> I had to do to hit my thirty-eight hours. It would literally be like that, and it would just be like I'm out. Like, yep, I'm done. And then it would literally be six or seven hour, hours every night and then pretty much all day Saturday and Sunday just working. So probably whatever that works out to, like an extra 50 hours on top of my normal job. And that's all I did for a year. Yeah, how, how did you how did you start to get the work? Was it literally just sticking your hand up and saying, I'm taking photos, 400 bucks a photo shoot now? It wasn't anyone, even anyone that. Anyone it was came? all free. Yep. I literally, like, uh, so I started in cafes and I literally just Google an area, cafes near me or something like that. Yeah drop the Google pin and then I just message all of them and email Sick. all of them. So I was probably sending about 30 emails and 30 direct messages on Instagram to places. Yeah. So what you did, it wasn't just handed to you. I actually had to go out. No, and no I had to, like I was genuinely grinding. Like part of me looks at me now and goes like, I wish I worked that hard now. <laughs> feels mate. Yeah. Feels. So different, but like, um, yeah, no, I was incredibly hungry for it. And it, was, and it was like driven by two things. I really wanted to do it, but I really hated my job. And I think, You've probably seen this with a lot of things and probably with Virtus as well and with your clients, like negative motivation could be almost more powerful than positive motivation. Yeah. I mean, it's one, it's one of the really simple bits of advice I give our mentorship students. It's like, you'll find out what you want to do by doing the stuff you hate. Um, like I still remember, <clears throat> I still remember certain parts of my placement that I loved and certain parts of placement I hate. And I was just like, well, that one's off the list. And it allows you to, you know, for most people, they don't know what they're doing and they don't know what they want to do. And I still have days where I'm like that. You would still have days where you're like, what the fuck have I done? I don't have any twirls in the fridge, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> I'm miserable. Um, but <clears throat> like those, those times are far outweighed by the good stuff mm. now. But for most, for, maybe not most people, but for a fair whack of the population, people don't do what they love to do. Um, what was the thing that, or the, like, cause you'd obviously plan to pull the pin, mm. um, but planning and doing are two different things. What was the thing that got you over the edge that allowed you to go, yep, I'm done. Was it a certain monetary number? Was it a certain number of clients? Was it just a time period? Um, to be honest, it was, it was more negative. Like I was just got yeah. so over the job. I just hated yeah. every aspect of it. Like there was no... I was in sales and I just fucking hated sales in the capacity <laughs> that they do it. Yeah. I think it's really hard to be good at sales if you don't believe in what you're, you're selling. And I'm like, I'm not a big sweet tooth. I can't say I love chocolate. Like I'll eat it if it's in front of me, but I never go out of my, like it's just not something I care about. And I yeah. just, the general idea of forcing confectionery down people's throats. And once you learn about the marketing they do and how much they dive into psychology of getting you to eat more, yeah. it just felt really slimy. Yep. And then I was also in the small business segment. So I was going to these milk bars and these like 
little corner stores and all this sort of stuff. The people that were like really struggling for money and like trying to do these aggressive sales tactics. Yeah, and I could tell they didn't want them. And like I remember going out with my area manager at the time and they just kept on saying like, you've got to keep pushing, you've got to keep pushing, like overcome this objection. And for me, it's like, well, if the dude's got five objections to why he doesn't want this product, maybe he just doesn't want it. And like, and it also felt really unsustainable because it's like so i force these chocolates down his throat he buys them they don't sell yeah he throws (laughs) them out and what you want me to come back in the next month and have the same hey there's just more objections so just and then there was just a lot of like the corporate bullshit like one thing and my partner can attest to this i I hate being told what to do like i hate it (laughs) so for me when i was like i was ready to take the next jump and progression and they're like well you're gonna have to sit on it for nine months to 12 months until a position comes up I was like, fuck that. Yeah. Like, stuff that. Like, having someone else be like, this is when you're going to progress rather than me being able to go like, no, I'm ready to go now. Yeah. It's just like, I really didn't like that. Yeah, I mean, there's something there's something really powerful about being responsible for your success or your failures. I remember certain times in business where I'm like, fuck, it's all on me now. But then, like, the flip side of that, same thought process is, Fucking oath, it's all on me now. Yeah. It's like whether you succeed or wh- whether you, you know, fall and, and learn and whatever, it's all on you. Mm. And you don't have, like, you finish, <laughs> you can't finish your seven hour, 40 minute day <laughs> and go, oh, well, that's your day to day. Like, someone else will pick it up. Someone else will, you know, carry the load for me. It's like, well, shit, I've got to do the work and you've got to put in, which, which is a pretty, I mean, it's pretty. You know, it's it's confronting and it takes some time and I think that's one of the reasons why a lot of people don't take the leap. Um, would you have any like short form um, short form advice for, for anyone who's like, I hate my job but I don't know what to do like Ed, Ed did? Uh, I'd say experiment because I think a lot of the people a lot of people don't even try and suss out the options that they have available to them. Um, and also like give it a proper crack. I see a lot of people try th- something for like an hour or two or they do it for a week. Yeah. And they're like, "Oh, I don't you know, I don't think it's for me." Like I see that a lot. Um and I understand there's different mechanisms behind motivation trying to get something done, but you know, you got to give something a proper crack. Like I wasn't I didn't take like do two photo shoots and be like, "No, nah, this isn't for me." <laughs> yeah. Like um You'll know, obviously, if you just, like we said, if you really don't like something, but like really invest into it and see what you can do. And then talk to people in the industry as well because you might, if you're like looking for a career change, you might talk to people and realise there's no money involved. So talk to people in the industry and see what you can do and see what the legitimacy is of what you're doing. But yeah, I'd say just invest into it. Like I've always, always said this, you'd be at my... I'm going to correct myself. My partner says this because last time I was on a podcast, I said something that she says to me and she was like... And you claimed it? Yep. Yes. And she was like, I told you that like the week before. I was like, oh. So I'm going to get myself out of the sin bin here. She said to me like it doesn't... As long as you're doing like an hour a day or something, if you do that every day for you, you'd be like amazed at how far you could go. And I agree with that completely. How many hours is it if you do it every... An hour a day for a year? Well, I'd say 365 maybe. There you go. Give or take. It's a couple of weeks of uh, full-time work. Pretty much. Almost 10 of them. Yeah. But I think there's also like a really amazing feeling and a self-confidence that you get from actually going out and doing something on your own terms. Yeah. Rather than being like someone trying to be like, like with the thing I had with Cabrio, that them sort of directing my progression all that when you're sort of the master and you, master of your own ship and you're driving that change, there's something incredibly empowering about that. And yeah. it will give you the confidence to be like, 
I don't think I want to be in this job that I don't really like that much. Yeah, well, there's a self-efficacy that comes with just being capable of doing something. Yeah. And, and, that, and that can only be built by doing the thing consistently and putting in, like, it's easy in our environment to use the term reps, but it's putting in reps. And whether it be photo shoot or editing or color grading, I still don't know what that is, but <laughs> whether it be shooting film or taking photos, is it's just the reps and the reps. And it took you, what, 9, 12 months to get to the point where you're like, you know, catch a later 12 bars. Yeah. <laughs> and you can move on to actually building your business. So yeah. to Ed, cheers to you. It's been been a pleasure seeing it. Um, I want to cheers over the soundboard, to be honest. It makes me nervous. Uh, yeah, no, it's probably a good idea. Um, drinking delicious Comfort Coffee at the moment, so cheers to them. <coughs> Sponsorship. Um, <laughs> so I want to talk to you. You mentioned sales and you mentioned how you despise sales. And this is something that like we've I've, I've worked on myself um, you know, probably towards like 2017, 2018 around like reframing my view of sales and um, working with Tyler and Mitch and, and the team about doing it over the last you know, 18 months. Um, and it's something that I think if you, sales can be the most wonderful thing in the world if you view it the right way and you're doing it for the right reason. So when you look at a sales pitch now, which in effect is you just selling marketing or a video or a documentary or a, or a product that you can produce for someone, how do you approach that and how is it different to when you used to work at Cadbury? Shout out uh, to Cadbury, by the way. Sponsorship. All, all I for feel it. like after what I've said, we're probably going to get sponsorship. <laughs> um, I think sales has changed mainly because I'm passionate about what I do. And that's like what I said was the biggest hurdle for me is like I didn't care about the product I was selling. I think it's very hard to be a good salesman with something you don't care about or saleswoman. Mm. you've got to believe in what you're selling. And I think that just comes across from authenticity. Sales is really easy to get really slimy really quick. So if you've got someone that's doing your sales and they don't even work in Virtus, they don't do the, they're like, you know, whatever it is, not judging people that are overweight, but they're overweight. They're obviously not a gym person. They don't associate with his environment at all. It just doesn't come off right. It just, I think people can see into that authenticity. So for me, when I was when I was at Cabri, it was very much just ticking that box and getting those numbers. I know I've got to sell this many cases throughout the week, you know, to get my boss off my back. Whereas now it's like I genuinely want to invest into these companies and create a partnership with them. So I'm not yeah. trying to sell them in the sense that I used to believe. It's just like, you know, here's the reasons you should buy. It's, like, it's non-transactional now. Yeah. It's more of a, here's what I can do for you, not I need to get something out of this transaction. I think once you take that perspective... It's it just opens everything up, so you realise that you are actually helping them, and then once you can say that, you know it's not about ticking a box. You're actually trying to help their business, and you genuinely stand on that. Um, I think it just sh- shifts your perspective, and it makes it much easier because you just believe in it, and you can they can see that people are very you know whether they can put their finger on it or not, people can tell whether you're authentic and whether you actually want to help or whether you're just looking for a buck. Yeah, for sure. I mean. At the end, like we talk about Virtus and we talk about the gym as like, sure we're in the exercise science, the coaching, the S and C business, but in a nutshell, we're in the people business. Like our job is to cultivate and foster relationships to create a space where people can grow and adapt and overcome things that they weren't able to do before, whether it be lifting heavy, whether it be their mindset around nutrition, whether it be how they're feeling about themselves or, or whatever it is. Like your role in a nutshell as videographer isn't just to take pretty pictures and take vi- pretty videos, even though you do that fairly well. It's good from you. Um, it's to cultivate relationships and get a really clear understanding around people's why and why mm. they exist and what they're actually trying to achieve. Mm. What's 
what's been the biggest, not necessarily the biggest learning, but one of the most profound learnings around actually, because I guess it's a pretty cool position to be in for you to be able to go into businesses and most of these businesses you're working with are small, not necessarily small, but small, they're um, self-owned and ran businesses mm. where you get to see why people do things. Like what's been the most profound um, area of growth or learning from that? I butchered that question, but yeah, you can, fig- you can figure I'm, out I'm what I'm trying I mean. to figure it out. Um, the most profound thing is from a, like a business perspective, it's been fascinating to watch how different businesses operate. Cause obviously with my niche, my skill set is like, I can go into any business really. Cause it's just a documentation of what's happening and how you present that in the edit will like depend on what sort of content you're going to get. But for me, it's being able to watch how different models work, like a membership model versus like a transactional model, like a cafe. Yeah. So from the business point of view, that's been amazing to see how different it is. But from a storytelling and creative process, it's been amazing to see how similar they all are. Like I know what makes a successful business and it is people, yep. 100%. Maybe not if you're like an e-commerce guy and all you do is like drop shipping or whatever. <laughs> yeah. But like when you're, uh, you know, brick and mortar, small business, like it's all about your people. It's about how you treat your community. It's about how you foster your community. And so there's this massive overlaps there about like caring about the people that come to your shop, whatever that is, you know, and fostering those relationships, making people feel appreciated, feel welcome, you know, feel as if they've, that their money is, you know, being spent going towards people that actually care about them you know so seeing those overlaps has been like awesome because there is a huge overlap in terms of how people engage and foster relationships and success from what i can see with small businesses what are as like obviously community is a big part of it's always one of the pillars of your business what are the other pillars that help support that allow you to make sure that the product you deliver at the end of the day is one, what the people are after, and two, adds the value that they're after? Um, probably, probably the biggest pillar, it's, it's not actually community, is communication. Yep. And I think that's something that a lot of creatives can do poorly because we tend to be introverted sort of people. Like I, as much as I can talk a shitload, I'm pretty introverted. Like I, you know, it kind of goes with the territory because I sit in my room all day editing. You know, I'm not saying anything. I'm sitting there for like eight, ten hours without saying a word. Um, so for me, it's about communication. Like really, if you can really understand what a company is trying to do, what their why is, what their mission is, then your videos will be a million times better or your creative will be a million times better. Like without having a genuine conversation about what the, the business is about and having that sort of discovery of learning who they are and what they do and why they do it. You can't really create effective content. Like I couldn't walk into Virtus without knowing you and just make a... I can make a cool video. Yeah. I can make a video that'll get you, you know, lots of likes and all that sort of stuff. You've shot once, you've shot twice, you might get half as many likes. Again, it's just going to be like... There's no It's de- just going to do down. Whereas no I can context. come in now and like, you know, spoiler alert, we've got something exciting coming. But um, that sort of stuff that we've been talking about, this in-depth stuff is going to engage people and foster community more than any sort of flashy sort of video is ever going to do. Yeah. So I mean, that comes from the understanding of the business and what they do. Yeah. I mean, there's layers to engagement, right? Like, and this is, 
something that I really want to talk about is like what you've learned about social media and what you've learned about marketing and, and how it all fits into your end product and your end result that you're after. Um, but yeah, for sure. The, and, and it's almost as a business, it's, that's one of the hardest things for yourself is to know and to be clear consistently on why you exist, what you're trying to achieve. And like in of itself, a business exists to provide value for either the people that run it or the people that, um, are a part of it. Um, and usually that value is, or sorry, there's many different resources that come from a business, but the main one is money, right? Most people run a business so they can pay their bills and support their families and, you know, you know get from A to B. But what you've learned and what you mentioned before is businesses are obviously so much more than that. There's so many more dimensions to a business. Um, have there been businesses where you've had to coax out that why? Um, and what, and has that happened in tandem with you figuring out your why over the years? And follow-up to that is what advice would you have for people starting a business or in a business when, who aren't completely sure about their why? Because you've had in a pretty cool position where you get to speak to so many business owners about what, why they exist in a nutshell. Mm. Um, I think your why is everything. I know it's been like very trendy to talk about over the last few years, but you've got to understand. It doesn't matter Thank you, what, Simon. <laughs> Simon Zinnick, yep. Um, Shout out. Yeah, I think that's probably the most important thing, but that comes into every facet of your life. Like you need to know why you're doing something. Nobody's going to stick to anything if they're just doing something because they're told to. And that same as that was like what it was with, with Cabri for me. It was just like I was just doing it because I was told to do it. There was no there was no why behind it. It was just ticking boxes for the sake of ticking boxes. It wasn't yep. leading me to where I want to go. I mean, you got that job because it was the right thing to do post-uni, right? Yeah. Or because told yeah. was the right thing. To yeah, do. exactly. So... I think if you don't have a reason for what you're doing, I'd be questioning why, well, finding out the why, like why are you doing it? And if you can't find a good reason, it's just like, it's just not going to work. I think I'm seeing a massive shift in the market in general. Like it doesn't matter if you're a huge business, small business, it's everything's going, like small business has always been people-based, but even big business is expected to have some sort of personality beyond, yeah. you know, these are our brand colours and this is what <laughs> who we are and like, you know, this is what we do. It's like they want to know who's designing things, who's making things. Like they, they want to know, even in businesses with like 100,000 employees, they want to know who's doing what and having some sort of connection because the trend I've seen through COVID is people just don't give a shit about polish and models and, you know, chasing trends. They just want to know who people are. And I think that's yep. a ripple effect of being shut off from human connection so much. You know, and realizing, you know, you spend that much time in social media. And I knew this before COVID, but, you know, obviously it's like forced people to sit down and spend as much time as I do on social media um, with my clients and all that. It's sort of made people realize it's like how fake that world is yeah, and how curated it is. So these brands that are just being authentic to who they are and know who, knew who they were, they weren't just chasing trends. They just exploded because they got people got authenticity they built a huge amount of trust and they were able to just foster a community even online which is something that when you're putting this picture perfect polished mm. stuff in front of people it's like that's just not how it is who are some of those brands that come to mind and like, like i could name my five in terms of the ones that i buy and the, and the re almost the reasons why i buy from yeah. them and i and i'm a repeat customer for certain ones but who are the brands that come to mind as ones that do that really well um you guys, 100%. Um, I'm not just saying that. 
You are saying that. Um, that was like potential. <laughs> Sorry. Use uh, code ED10% at checkout for your Virtus memberships. I'll seriously put I'll that on. I'll get a kickback. I'll put that, I'll put that on. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll make that. Um, so you guys do it really well. Uh, there's a new place in Rosebud that does it really well, a cafe that's just opened up. They do it fantastically. Um, the Hideout, if you're in Southern Peninsula. Name them, get around really, them. Yeah, the Hideout Peninsula, we make amazing. Laneway Dramana, my OG clients, they do it really, really well. Yep. Um, places I don't shop at, but I really love what they're doing. Uh, official Vintage up in the city. They do vintage sale, like they refurbish and redo vintage clothing. And like, it's just the owner's always on their social media. He's super yep. engaged. He's super involved. So you feel like you know them. Um, I don't even know if I have five because there's not a huge amount of people diving into what about it, are there any big businesses that like that you see and you go yep they're authentic they're genuine around what they're actually trying to trying to yeah, do wendy's to wendy's make. i don't know you've wendy's. probably seen the meme wendy's in the u.s because wendy's. they've got like a sassy fucking 20 year old on their twitter yeah so just like they just, they've just thrown out the handbook of like the customer's always right yeah. and all this sort of stuff so if this guy being a dick about his <laughs> order because he's like oh i had four pickles instead of five that i usually have like just they'll sar- literally just reply back and be like, "Yeah, who gives a shit, Steve?" Like it's just like so <laughs> sassy, yeah. And so, and it basically, all they're doing is like basically saying what everybody's thinking. Yeah. But it's like because it's it's this I mean, brand you don't that's meant that to be like, brand, yeah, exactly. Right? It's like what you're expecting is like, oh, we're so sorry about that terrible service. Blah blah. blah. Here's a twenty dollar voucher to go to any event when you want. <laughs> but it's like that's just so fake and service level. Yeah. yeah. So it's yeah, their I mean, personality. You know, corporations exist. Personality-less and faceless and soulless. Yeah, but you know, I guess that's probably not where we want to go. Is big corporations? Oh, I just think it's sterile having a pretend soul and a pretend face. Yeah, and pretend but personality. I think it comes, but comes back to like the sales thing in terms of authenticity. Like that's where everything's going at the moment. People just want a little bit of authenticity in their life. Yeah, because they've just been deprived of it over COVID. And they just want to, you know, want something real, and they're just sick of the bullshit, and that's just where everything's going. Like, it's not just like as we're getting older, because we're like over the hill now, <laughs> you know. Like <laughs> oh, young shit. kids are actually driving this. This yeah. is Gen Z. They just they've just seen it. They've grown up with it. Just been blasted with advertising messages, yeah. and like they just want something real. They don't need this. Double uh, L or R E A L? Huh? Double uh, E L or R E A L? I got no idea, mate. Yeah, oh. I can't keep up. Yep. You there's will, a, there's wait, give Lucy ten years and she'll fill us in on everything. Uh, I hope so. I hope so. That's <laughs> why I'm getting her on the podcast. Get her good at creating content early so that she can uh, get massive on Bridge whatever the, the next TikTok is. Bridge the gap. Bridge the gap between us and her. Yeah. I mean, like the the business or the company that I think of when when you talk about authenticity and real and and quality is like Patagonia. It's like a company that's grown and, and and effectively is a big, you know, multinational corporation now. But I feel as though they're still, you know, well and truly tied to their roots. Like um, reading Yvonne Chuniard, Chuniard, I don't even know how to say his name. His book is like if you haven't read it, phenomenal in terms of like brand building and marketing and and just values ba- being a values based business. Mm. Um, and even like what they do from a sustainability and a and a um, climate change perspective is it's not, you know, they do it seems like they're doing the best that a big corporation can, which, you know, maybe is still lacking on where they should be. But I look at a company like that and, and even, um, I don't know, Nike's like a massive giant company that have done a lot wrong. But, and, I, and again, I'm 
relaying my assumptions of these based off the books of the founders that I've read and what I've listened to interviews and what the company's trying to do. But I would like to think that the way forward and, you know, Gen Z and, and the what's, – what's after Gen Z? What's the, what's, what are the next little kidlets called? Gen A? Does Gen it go A? back around? I don't know, maybe. Or they bridge um, it with like millennials. Maybe they do just something like else. a number and a letter or something. Maybe. Um, get some, uh, get some, yeah, get some different names. But um, I, I think that maybe those companies are like leading the way in terms of like what the future looks like. Uh, oh, 100%. You know, maybe ExxonMobil and those guys aren't going to be what they are because we demand change and, you know, Change is hard, and change, but change is inevitable. And I think if we go the other way, we're fucked. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, we got really existential really quick. But if we if we happy Wednesday go, by the way, guys. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it'll be Monday when this comes out. But people might listen to it on Wednesday, so who knows? Um, but I think the progress will come from businesses, big corporations, and then small businesses being values based and being mm. Quality based and being customer based, so that everything you do is around. All right, how can I do what aligns with my values? Because most people's values are around the same things. They're around belonging and around connection and around quality. How can I do that and deliver my product to a consumer base that actually gets something out of it and actually moves us forward and actually actually yeah. grows? Yeah, but these market leaders are uh, pushing <coughs> the shift in our so the standards that we have as consumers. Because I think small businesses have to be value driven and community driven. Like you, you, you just yeah. you quite frankly can't compete on price and service. Service in terms of like convenience as a because they just have mm. these fucking billions of dollars behind them. Like you can't like what are you gonna, you can't compete with that. And then there's obviously economies of scale and all this. We're actually bringing in a six ninety nine membership next week. Six ninety nine. Yeah. yeah really? Weekly six dollars. Six ninety nine a day or no? You just rock up and. For as much as you want, six ninety nine a month. Thoughts? Hmm? Race, race to the bottom. One hundred percent. Yeah, no, we great quality. Um, but you know, and then so I think small business has always been value driven in terms of like you're going to get such a better experience here than you'll get at any commercial gym. I hope so. Because it is tailored to you. You've got people that are there engaged, and you know they care about you and the progress you're making. They're monitoring you in the sense of like. Hey, I'm seeing that hips playing up again, or you yeah. know, how's your knee going? Oh, it's way better. All right, cool. Well, we're going to progress and we're going to keep building on that. Whereas, like, good life or whatever. Um, <laughs> nah, shout out, get around them. Um, yeah. So, well, I went to good life and I, I didn't enjoy the experience. So, this is my reflection. Emotional, <laughs> damn it. Um, you know, it's just scan your fob, have you paid your membership, and off you go. Mm. And that's great for some people, and that's what you want, but, you know, that's I think that's where small business has a massive advantage is where you can build that community. Yeah. But the people like Panagodia and all that are doing it in a way, they're building community at scale, and they're ra- getting people to rally behind a mission, which obviously... I mean, that's al- almost, the, that's almost the, the big asterisk, right? It's like having a mission to rally behind. Exactly. But then you, I think that's driving the market to expect and demand more from other companies because you see people that you can just tell they're just ticking the box, you know? Oh, we're going to recycle like 5% <laughs> of our <laughs> stuff or whatever. It's yeah. like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, you could do so much more and they know it. You know, or like, we're going to cut, we're going to be carbon neutral by like 2075, like... Yeah, sick. So we'll it's all like be in the like US, on fire or underwater by you then. You see all of the the big business Twitter accounts change to the rainbow flag in Pride Month and then you know, yeah. the first of the next month it's gone. It's yeah. just like 
there's got to yeah finding that well it's not even a balance but f- being able to pick as a consumer being able to pick the the ones that do it for the for the um almost like the social kudos versus the ones oh, that do it because it's actually part of yeah. what they're trying to achieve so there and i think that's just them not realizing that people are buying patagonia because of their mission they're not buying and in sense of, in the sense of that they believe in it they're mm. not buying it just because patagonia says it you know if patagonia donates you know millions of dollars or has their own program to like support the lgbtqi community versus just changing their logo like people are going to buy <laughs> yeah. from patagonia they're not going to be like like some people do like some people are buying into that marketing but i think 99% of people can see it's just i mean most most people will sit there and bitch about you know the big corporations and what they do and things like that. But, and, and at the end of the day, it's one of those things that like your vote, you vote with your cash and you vote with how you spend. And at the end of the day, it makes no difference really what you do. But if you make values based decisions, um, off, you know, off how you buy and what you purchase and where you buy from, and you decide to shop local and you decide to spend a little bit more at the local grocer, or you decide to buy locally produced, um, merchandise, yeah, snake hole, get around them. Um, and local coffee, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You, be, you begin to make that sh- shift within your own little ecosystem and then, you know, if you do it, your family's probably going to do it and your friends are probably going to do it and this is how progress is made by, you know, one, little, one small, one person insignificant in the scheme of things making a change that then, you know, filters out to everyone and I think that's what I love about to feel to you know shift back to what we're talking about with you. That's what I love about your work is your work kind of brings people back to that what and the why and the how, and then allows us to then look internal community focus and go, all right, well, like how cool is this stuff that Laneway are doing, or um, or the different businesses that we get to see your content from and how good's ed you know showing how he's learning about all these different things and you're showing in 15 20 second reels um love your reels by the way get around ed's reels they're great um this is what allows us to move forward and grow and make you know the the best of a shitty capitalistic society mm. tell me about your your growth we'll shift the conversation a little bit tell me about your growth from a creative perspective over the last couple of years what's What's driven it? How have you made progress? Because um, not saying your content was shit before, but it's no. There's been a massive leap in the last year. It's gotten significantly better. Yeah. Um, look, it, at the I think at the start I was very focused on just getting better without direction, and there's like there's validity to that. Like I was just pretty much shit across the board, <laughs> so like I had to lift every aspect. But now it's sort of getting to the point. It's like I can properly dissect it and be like, all right, the lighting needs to be better. I need to get better at my color grading. I need to invest a little bit more in learning about pacing and, you know, the storytelling. So it's much more the progress and the progress moving forward is much more nuanced in terms of like here's the weak areas. And, yep. you know, it's like when you first start training, everything hurts. So you don't <laughs> yeah. know you don't know that, you know, I'm going to have to put a bit more work into my, you know, core or whatever because of my lifestyle or, you know, we need to work on my balance or, you know, you don't know these things when you start training. So it was very much just at the start it was like monumental progress and then it sort of capped out a bit through COVID more just because I wasn't, I didn't have the ability to have the volume of work coming through with um, clients. Um, and then it's sort of, I feel like in the last year, especially for me has been the biggest growth because it's taken me from, I'd say middle, like a pretty average creator to someone that's actually starting to get 
on the more professional end in terms of I see my stuff now versus what it was before and I, it's given me the confidence to be like, I, I actually reckon I could shoot a documentary and it'd be good. Not be one of those shitty ones that you see on like Amazon Prime. It's like, you know, a dollar to hire or something. I'd, like I'd send a dollar to hire your doco on Amazon Prime. Thanks, mate. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, not I reckon three, that's not, $2 of sales not, there, you and mum. Not three ninety nine. dollars What's driven that? Has it just been your desire to grow and improve or has it kind of been a necessary... Um, necessary level of growth to get the work you want and to work with the people you want to work with. No, it's just been it's been intrinsically motivated. I just, I don't need to do I don't need to put the polish on my videos that I do. Yeah, it's a it's a pride thing. I would rather do I'd rather hand something over to someone and be like I did the best I could with the tools I have at the moment yep. to make this as good as I can. But I also I'm a pretty firm believer in like it's hard it's hard to take the next step. So if someone wants me to shoot like a big production. And they're seeing my work now. It's not up to that yep. ability. Whether I'm getting paid for what I'm doing now to reflect the work that I'm doing in it, which in terms of the color grading and these like more detailed end position, like end um, back end sort of stuff that I'm doing, I'm probably not. Um, I but I feel like I need to have something to show that. But it's yep. also like if I if I get the opportunity to step into the position, I want to be ready for it. Yeah. I don't want to be walking on there onto set and being like, I don't really know what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, and there's got to be that little bit of like, there's almost got to be part of it's got to be anxiety around like, well, I'm doing things that challenge me and that I'm forcing myself to grow yeah. so that there's, there's a little bit of um, lack of control or lack of understanding around what you're doing. But that like the whole fake it till you make it thing works for a percent, like for a tiny little bit, but the rest is just competency based. Right. Yeah. And that competency base comes from, you know, watching, reading, learning. So where do you where do you look to to learn new skills and to upgrade your current skills? And like are there people, are they are videos, are they courses? Where do you go for your P D? Um at the moment they're courses, but it's so uh, the thing is like you can get a lot of stuff online for free. But then it sort of hits a point where your knowledge you know as much as the people Who that are, are teaching, teaching these things. Yeah. So then you need to go out and pay someone. Because if someone's super advanced in their career, like they're not going to give out this information for free. Like if they're a market leader, why would you, yeah. you know, give it out for free? Because it's like, I know someone will pay 800 bucks for this six hour course. Yeah. You know, um, and it's not because they're trying to make money. It's just like, they might be making a thousand dollars an hour <laughs> at, you know, doing what they do. Yeah. So why would they invest all this time to make a course and be like, Oh, I'm just going to release it for free. Unless there's some sort of ulterior motive. So, but also, you need to go to specialists after a point. Yeah. Like if you, I don't know that much about the strength world, but like if you're, if you don't know anything about Olympic lifting, but you're good with everything else across the board, you need to go to an Olympic lifting coach to learn how to do that properly. No, you, know, you know enough for that, that example. So good from you. Yeah. So like for me, <coughs> the big, one of the big things I've been focusing on is color grading, which is like a huge differentiating between looking at a still or a frame from a movie to going like, oh, that was shot in a video camera versus uh, that's like from a movie. Yep, gotcha. Um, so, and there's like a full psychology behind everything that happens there, but the actual tools that are extremely complicated. Yeah. Um, so that's been a big one, but I knew I needed to go find courses from professionals in the industry yep. and invest that money into it. Yeah. So is that like Vince Gilligan shifting... When when he's going back in time, shifting it to black and white, and when he's in yeah, in Mexico, bit. shifting it to a nice huey yellow. Yeah, 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 pretty that, much. That that's color grading in yeah, a nutshell. Yeah, yeah, 
There you go. Tell actually something that fascinates me is and it, what's I'm just assuming that this is a misconception. Misconception is around video content is how long it takes to produce content versus how long it takes to edit it. So what would the time frame be? Say you have a f- one minute video for a minute finished polished product, how long would it take you to edit it? If it's like top end of what you're doing now. Uh, it's pretty broad. Like, um, if you go, if I was going, like answer, going all out, <laughs> yeah. like roughly all, all at out, the right? moment, for every hour I'm shooting is about four hours at home. Yeah. So, f- so you're like four X. Yeah. That's crazy. So that, and like people, so when I'm billing, I bill just by the hour. It's way easier for you to go like, I'm here for a day. So it's going to be this much and people yeah. kind of But then like, you build that into your product. Yeah, exactly. Like it's easier for me to go and much more easy to swallow if I go, it's, you know, this is not how much I charge, but. You know, he's a thousand dollars for the day, and people yep. go, "Oh, geez, that's a bit expensive." But you're not realizing if I'm there for eight hours, yep. I'm going to be doing thirty-two hours on the back end. Great maths. Yeah, good from you. Yeah, I have to do it a lot. What What are the misconceptions around your job? Because I guess every industry and every job has things that they would like to clear up with the general population. What are the things that you like? I wish all my clients, or I wish all the people who consume my videos, wish what What do you wish they knew? One, you get what you pay for, big time. Like, <laughs> hey, that's true for everything in life. That is, I, it I is, it is a pretty good rule of thumb. Like, yeah. some there's some outliers, but you definitely in this industry you get what you pay for. So if you've got a cousin that can do it cheaper, I can guarantee you can't do it as <laughs> well as me. Um, and it takes a lot more time than you think. So yeah. I don't tell people that little rule of thumb until mm. they re- unless they really start and push back on the price, but. Yeah. It takes a lot more than you think. And there's a lot more that goes into it. Um, and just in general with service-based stuff, and this is the same with like, I'm sure you get this, is like you're not just paying for the my time. time. Yeah. You're paying for my expertise. <coughs> yeah. You know, and you're paying for me. It's like my gear and you're paying for all that. So the biggest misconception is it's like it takes a lot more time and effort than you think. Yeah. And it's not just my job isn't finished when, once I've left, yeah. the, left the set or, the, or your business. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think I think that's probably the biggest one. But I think it's changed a lot in the time that I've been in it. Like people are starting, people appreciate it a lot more than they used to. Well, I think people appreciate it because you build those relationships, and they get to see a little, they get to see behind the curtain a little bit. It's not yeah. like it's not like you shoot, you know, shake the hand and send the video, and that's it. It's yeah. like each time you shoot with someone, you get to know them a little bit better. They get to know you a little bit better, and that. F- you foster that relationship. Mm. Um, you mentioned gear there. You're a bit of a gear slut. Yep. Love it. Yep. Tell me about, like, I guess this is something, knowing <laughs> knowing how much you spend on some things, it's, it blows my mind. But talk to me through your relationship with gear and buying new gear because it's one of those things that it's, like, never-ending, right? It's like there's always more and better. And this is the thing I love about the gym in a nutshell like sure i can get we can get new machines and we can get nicer barbells and we get nicer plates but at the end of the day a barbell is a barbell um unless we're in competition and things like that so cameras and the tech world is so uh, evolutionary in terms of like every six months there's something new and something better and something more expensive so one how do you keep up with that two how do you control yourself if you control yourself and three like do you set like process and system around leveling up as you get better? Um, look, I definitely, when I start and I, I, a lot of the videographers and photographers I've talked to, when you start, you are very heavily involved 
with the marketing sort of cycle that they have because yeah. camera companies, you wouldn't know unless you're in the industry, they're so fucking aggressive with their marketing. <laughs> like, they are so aggressive. Cabri style? Oh, it's just, it's almost worse. Like, I, I hate it. Like, I've stopped following creators that are, like, influencers yeah. because, like, if I go into YouTube on a day that something's a camera's dropped, it's just, like, <laughs> bang, a bang, bang, whole bang, bang, bang. feed, like, 30 <laughs> videos. This is the best thing ever. This is the best thing ever. Yeah. And, like, they're all given this shit. And they're saying, like, yeah, I definitely dropped my camera for this. I was like, yeah, I would too if someone dropped a fucking $8,000 camera in my lap. Yeah, here you go. Try I'd this I'd say out. whatever you want about <laughs> yeah. it, you know? Yeah. Um, so I... And I fell for that and it was it was only until I got my camera that I've got now and it wasn't the step up that I thought it was. Yeah. Because it's fucking expensive and I thought this is going to change the game. This is going to make my videos the best videos ever and like this is the difference between me and these other people that I yeah. see that are really successful and I got it and my videos were still not where I wanted it to yeah. be. Then I realised like it's not... It's, it's not the camera, it's it, everything it that happens all, in the back yeah. end. Yeah. There are people in the industry that say it's not. It doesn't matter what you're shooting on. It's more about your skill set. Like yep. you'll make an iPhone, yeah, with expertise look better than a high end camera with no expertise. Yeah, um, and like you can't. You don't even have the knowledge and the capability to like execute on what the camera can do in terms of how much it gives you to work with in post until you've got yep. all that knowledge. So my relationship with gear is much healthier now. Like I know from a genuine need. So like I've just bought a gimbal, but that's because my other one is falling apart. Like it doesn't balance properly. So I need that. Like yep. I know I need that. It's not like, oh yeah, that'll be really cool. Need it. I definitely need it. 100%. Um, and like I'll only buy things when I think they're actually going to genuinely bring value to my business. Yeah. But I've also just set myself a budget every year. Yep. So it's like, if I really want is that camera. Is it a camera, soft budget? No, I've, got, it's I've, I've, got a pretty, I've got a pretty soft budget. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm pretty good with it. But it's, it's been the first time in, ever that I've been really comfortable with my gear set. I can do everything that I need to and Sick. a bit more. So, look, there will be new cameras and all that, but it'll be if the opportunity arises that I have got a massive project and I can budget that in to the point where it's like, yeah, no, my current cameras aren't capable of executing to the level that I want. Yeah, it allows you to level up. Yeah. Yeah, whereas before it was like, if I get the camera, then I can do the job, yeah. you know? Or yeah, that's so it almost has come. to be like a needs analysis. It's like... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. which, you know, there's the, if if we build it, they will come. If you buy it, they will come. But then there's also like, eh, we'll buy it when we need it. Yeah. Which is a good place to be because then you can you can plan it in. And yeah. It, and yeah. almost quote it in sometimes. Yeah. For the big ones. Um, where, where to now? Where's the growth? Where's the progress for Ed Wisher Productions? Well, Edwish Productions is going as of the start of Spent. next year. It's going to be switching over to a new brand, which I've just finalised, which is cool. going to call it Mango Media. <laughs> a new laugh. <laughs> but, Const- um, there's no context here. We're not, not telling you anything, but that's good. Good for me. Um, <laughs> Mango Media, great. Do you yeah. want to know why? Why? Do, have I told you why? Have I even told you this? No, tell me. I think I told Coop. I think Coop's the only one that knows. Hate that guy. Um, if you look in all my videos in the background, there is a plush mango. I don't know where. I think my mum got it for me once. It's just you like taking a piss. Just no, hundred percent. There is not hundred percent. Oh, as in your in reels. my videos? Yes, in my reels. Oh, I told you to call it Mango Media. Did you? Yeah. When? The other day. When I told you I'm Messenger? calling it Mango Media. Yeah, but I called it. No, it was already called Mango nah, Media. I told nah, you. No, check your messages. I check know, messages. but I thought you were taking the piss because I already told you. No, I was you taking the piss because of something you said that... Anyway, not important. Ask Coop. I talked to him about this like six weeks ago. Anyway. Yeah, anyway not important. Um, yeah, we'll have this so later. 
this <laughs> will um yeah so moving away from being a freelance into a proper media company perfect which, what, so i can take on bigger projects what does that yeah so what does that look like in terms of like the actual nuts and bolts of building that out because it, I, I imagine it would be along the lines of and yeah, completely different industry and completely different example but I know what I know. It would be like going from being a PT at a gym to going, I'm going to open my own gym. It would yep. be effectively the same thing. There's so many more layers and so many more things that you have to think about and build out and and systemize and, and build process into. Um, so what does that look like? What does the process look of that look like? Look, the biggest the biggest like areas that will need to change is like my customer intake, how I deliver things. When you're a freelancer, you'll get lots of marketing companies and, you know, businesses coming going, I need this 60-second video. You know, we need three promo videos from this event. I want to switch that to being like, let's have a partnership and a creative process where yeah. production companies get that, freelancers don't. Freelancers are like, you're the guy, you execute it. You know, that's how it goes. So it's about changing the process in which customers and clients come in and we discuss what they're doing and so there's a lot of back-end boring stuff that i got to do but it's more about you know setting it up so it, when you approach me you're coming with the mindset that we're a partnership we've got a problem that we think a video can solve or yep. a, a campaign can solve and we want you guys to shoot it so i've got an editor now so it'll be me and him and then it just gives you the flexibility to but you know like you know, we want photography, but it's a yep. really tight time frame. So like, all right, well, I've got to get another photographer in. Whereas if you're hiring Edward Wisher Productions, you just think it's just yeah, me. Oh, he'll do yeah. both. He'll do both sort of thing. <coughs> yeah. It allows me the flexibility to expand, essentially. Yeah. What what process do you think and what change do you think is harder going from Cabri to what, you're doing, what you were doing or going from what you're doing now to that production company? Because I guess it's... I like, think now. Yeah, because it's like it's building a whole thing that, didn't exist whereas like you're creating a role that doesn't exist but just you so now you've got yeah many different hats you've got to wear and balls in the air and things like um that. yeah and it's just how to for me it's just like when when i was starting out you just take anything and everything whereas like now it's more about niching down like this is what we're going to do yeah this is you know and what i want to do is br blend my documentary filmmaking background with businesses so yeah. talking about that market trend that we're seeing towards authenticity and like documenting what businesses do why they do it yeah. and deliver these campaigns for six months to a year for these businesses which is obviously means a lot more work mm. in the short term for me but it's essentially solving that problem for businesses of like what are we going to do for the next so rather than thinking like well here's a month of content yeah. or like we've got this event on we need one promo <laughs> video it's just like that's all well and good and i'll still do yeah. that stuff because yeah. obviously it's 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 money and like until we get like really established. And it, yeah. but what allows you almost like a step in the door to then do the bigger pitch exactly. stuff. Exactly. So, um, but it's more about having more to sink into and it's more for me, you know, once I've done one event, I've done them all, you know, I've done <laughs> a couple of weddings. So now I, I get the gist of it. It's, it's very same samey, you know, no, I want weddings are unique, mate. People, huh? everyone's love is unique. You need to know that. Hundred percent. Need to understand that. Not from a creative point of view. <laughs> it's um, the same. Um, I do. No, but in terms of like the 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 delivery is what you want. What they want is virtually the same. Yeah. So, um, pretty sunsets. Yeah, and, and like they run the same. There's everybody. You know, getting ready, ceremony, drinks, couple photos. You know, reception, speeches. Yeah, it's done. 
Well, thanks. Way to uh, take the suck the love right out of a wedding. <laughs> oh, I love them. I love. <laughs> I love. I, love, love, I absolutely love. love them. Did a really good and job on the last one you did. So good yep. from you. No, I, like, I'm just waiting for confirmation to be able to post that, guys. So. I cried a little. So. Yep. Um, that was probably my favourite thing that I've done. But um, good from you. Yeah. So I can't remember what we're talking about. Talking about you making the making the the build the jump to a production company. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah. The what, the what are the landmarks that you that you've got to build towards to to make that happen? Look, there's financial ones. Yep. Um, I'd love to do some 50k months. Yep. And ideally, consistently, so I can bring on someone a second shooter full time. Yep. Um, but the first first one will be like a part time stuff because my editor's in the Ukraine. Love him. Um, and he's a fucking gun. But I want someone in Melbourne, and then in three years, I want a studio space. Perfect. Um, so I want to create. The end goal is to create a creative hub within, not probably not the Mornings Peninsula because it's a little bit probably Morty Alex sort of way. Um, I want to create a space like an open open plan office sort of place for creatives with a studio downstairs, and I've got this whole plan that I want to do. Um, so that's like the that's the goal at the moment, building up towards that and building Perfect. up Mango Media to the point where it can be. You actually, actually got me. Hundred percent. This is rock me. <laughs> I need a. All right. So I've got. I've all right. I didn't actually get into explaining why I'm calling it Mango Media. Go on. What there's one the Bango plush Mango. If you look at any of my reels, he's in the background. So yep. he's been there since the start. I need. I need to see our text conversation from the other day. Um, but ask Coop. Ask Coop. I was talking to him about this six months ago. <coughs> six months ago. Six weeks ago. Um. And the other thing is I get really bored with production names because they're all like some sort of camera equipment <laughs> and productions, film, media on the end. Mm-hmm. So when it's like Aperture Films or like Iris Productions, it's just like so on the head and just like there's no personality to yeah. it. Mango Media. It's just like, I don't know. It's like calling your place like fucking Medicine Ball Gym. It's just like, oh. it's just so, there's nothing f- to where it. Where were you seven years ago? <laughs> um no, Virtus is great, but Virtus doesn't scream out of gym. Do you know what I mean? So there's a there's a brand there. Yeah, and that's intentional, brand. right? But you know me, like I did mango because it makes people like it makes them chuckle, and that that is me. Like I, I don't take myself yeah. that seriously, and I like to be fun with my work. You see my work with like businesses is pretty creative, and like I want to, and it's like light hearted. It's not too serious, so I don't want it to be like. I, I just want it to be unique in the senses like you're gonna remember that. And it's just not like every other production company's name ever. Yeah, I like it. It's um, I mean, it's fruity. <laughs> do you hear my Do you hear my slogan? Yeah, it's worth a squeeze. Oh, it's not actually. No one squeezes a mango. You don't know that. Anyway, um, good. Well, hey, so how can people get around Mango Media and Edwish Productions for now? How can people see your content? How can people book you? All of the good stuff. Go sell yourself. So get grimy. Get like Instagram, just edward.wisher.productions. Um, if you have trouble finding me, I'm in Virtus somewhere um, on the Virtus page. Website is just edward-wisher.com. For now. Um, wedding stuff. Any couples out there? I'll shoot your wedding. We um, love love. Yeah, we that's do. Cadence Wedding Films. Um, yeah, oh, I forgot to mention that. Yeah, that's different. Get around it. Yep, and yeah, that's pretty much it. Mango Media is yet to be launched because I'm going to do that properly. So don't worry about that yet. 
we'll uh, we'll let you know. But hopefully, like you can have me back in a few months because I'm working on a few cool documentaries towards the end of the year. Yeah, end of the we'll, year, uh, something. We'll do a documentary pod. So we are doing something along those lines with Virtus. I don't want to spoil too much, but what I'm really excited to do is I'm sponsoring current sponsor of a drug rehab program based out of Hallam, and I'm going to do a documentary on six people that have gone through their program, um, basically from more or less selling themselves and everything in their life to being mums, dads, business owners. And like, there's some really, really cool stuff. So I'm going to be shooting my first feature documentary towards the end of the year. So phenomenal. Hopefully Lockie can have me back on and we can yeah, talk maybe. about that. If people give cool people what they want. Yep. Well, you know, vote, vote for a good, good podcast. Mate, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. Appreciate it, mate. Have a good day, everybody. Have a good day.